I just would like to introduce Rabbi Freundlich, who's a longtime Chavusa of mine. I think we learned straight from Eretz Yisrael, straight through my time in Lakewood, where he proceeded to move on to Torah Links, which has tremendous um, impact with Kira, with adult education, and it was really a very nice opportunity. We had supper last night, Lakewood, um, and I invited him to share the Rechizik and inspiration with Ayom. Okay, no, as Rabbi Beryl Wine used to say, after such an introduction, I'm curious to hear what I have to say. So we'll make it we'll we'll make it short and sweet. So tonight there's a Rabbi Miller said I should should translate everything. So if I'm a little too basic, you'll forgive me. Tonight there's this mini unique, very interesting yomtiv known as Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach. What is Pesach Sheni, the second Passover? So it's exactly a month since the first Passover. What is what is this little holiday represent? And I want to. Just talk very briefly for just a few minutes, a profound lesson that we can take out of it. In the times of the Beis HaMikdash, in the times of the temple, if one was unable to partake in the first Passover sacrifice in the Karban Pesach for various reasons, either he was traveling or if he was tame, ritually impure, he was able to have a makeup. He was able to make up his chance to do over and partake in the Karban Pesach, something that doesn't apply in any other mitzvah. And that's based on a story in the in, in the Torah that in the second Karban Pesach that took place in the desert, there were a number of Jews that were Tameh. They were ritually impure. They weren't able to partake in the Karban Pesach. Now they had valid reasons. They were not able to. They didn't do anything wrong. In fact, according to one opinion of the Gemara, they were being, they were involved in a mitzvah between uh, burying a dead person. They weren't able to partake in a Karban Pesach. Yet they come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, Moshe, Gara, why should we lose out of this mitzvah? It's not fair. Granted, we have a good excuse, but why we should why should we lose out? So Moshe says, after consulting with Hashem, Moshe says, okay, guys, you're right. You have a makeup. A month from now, or a month after uh, the 14th day of Nisan, you can have a makeup by sacrificing the, the, the Pesach Sheni. Now, the commentators asked, the commentaries asked that, you know, it's interesting. This is the only time in the entire Torah that you find such a thing. If you miss the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, do you get to make it up a month later? If you miss sitting in the sukkah, can you make up sitting in the sukkah a month later? If you miss lighting the Hanukkah menorah, can you go ahead and make it up a month later? There's no other time that if you miss a mitzvah for valid reasons, do we find this concept that you can just make it up? You have a makeup a month later, a month anniversary, just relight the Hanukkah menorah. You missed out, you were traveling on business, make it up. It's something you only find over here by the Pesach Sheni, which is tonight. What's the lesson over here? I want to share with you a story that I think brings out the, um, the, the idea. There was a rabbi, a very holy Jew by the name of the Kloisenberger Rebbe. Some of you may have heard the story. If you did, it's worth repeating. Big rabbi, the Klosenberger Rebbe, the Klosenberger Rebbe before the war in Europe had a massive, massive Hasidus, a massive following, thousands of Hasidim. And aside from his massive following, he, would, he had a beautiful, illustrious family, a wife and 10 children. Came the war and the Nazis, Yimach Shemo, obliterated everything, killed out his wife, his 10 children, and the vast majority of his Hasidim, of his followers, were all destroyed, were all wiped out. The vast majority of them. He survived. He survived the camps. He survived the war. He survived the death march and eventually immigrated to Eretz Israel, to Israel. And he decided he's going to rebuild. 
He's going to build Kozenberg. He decided he's going to build hospitals, orphanages, kolalim, yeshivas, girl schools, butch, butch, by the way, he all did. If you go today in Eretz Yisrael, you visit the Tzans Kozenberg community, massive, beautiful, thriving, robust community, all built with a man with a vision. But he needed money. So for those of us in fundraising, what do you do if you need money? You go to travel. You got to go collect money. So he found himself in America. And with the help of a, a number of people, he found himself in the office of a fellow by the name of Mr. Sam Fjornstein. Sam Fjornstein was a very wealthy philanthropic Jew. Um, actually, President Clinton actually mentioned him as one of his in one of his former um, uh, State of the Union addresses was a very interesting story that happened with him. Be it as it may, Mr. Sam Fjornstein found himself in the office. Uh, the Kozenberger Rebbe found himself in the office of Mr. Sam Fjernstein. And he says, Mr. Fjernstein, I want to rebuild Kozenberg. I want to build yeshivos. I want to build kolalim. I want to build girls' schools, boys' schools. I want to build orphanages. And Mr. Fjernstein, this entrepreneur, this businessman, well-respected American, he looks at this rabbi with pity in his eyes. If he, you know, if the rabbi was 50, he looked 80. If he was 80, he looked 150. Bitter, battered man. And he says, Rabbi. I'm going to do the best I can to help you out. And he went to his desk, took out the checkbook and started to write the check. And the closing McGrebel looked at Mr. Fjernstein and screamed. And he said, Mr. Fjernstein, stop. Mr. Fjernstein was also sorry, stop. He says, Mr. Fjernstein, before the war in Europe, if I wanted to walk across the street carrying my tefillin to shul, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to because I had so many Hasidim, so many followers, they would insist on carrying it for me. If I wanted to walk down the block to the grocery, they wouldn't let me because they would insist they drive me, they take me by carriage. But then the war came and I went through the camps. And that's when I realized that not only can I carry tefillin across the street, I can carry 40 pounds of cement on my back. And not only can I do it across the street, I can do it for 10 miles. He said, Mr. Fjernstein, I'm afraid you have yet to understand what it means to do the best you can. And with that, you can write your check. I don't know the end of the story, but I suppose the check was a lot larger than what he originally intended. And what the Bali Muster say is that so much, so many times, so often, we convince ourselves that we're doing the best we can, which is all we're obligated to do, as the Mishnah and Pirkei Avo so beautifully says, Lo you don't have to finish the work. But you can't mevatel yourself. You can't, so to speak, say you've done enough. You got to do the best we can, but we often convince ourselves we do the best we can. What does that have to do with Pesach Sheni? Pesach Sheni, this group of Jews in the desert, had a very legitimate reason why they couldn't partake in this Passover sacrifice. They couldn't partake in the Karim Pesach. They were Tameh. They were even involved in a mitzvah that they legally couldn't do the mitzvah. They have every legitimate reason. They checked all the boxes. Had they died after 120 years, nobody would have said anything to them. They had great, as in English we would say, excuses. But the lesson here is that you could have the greatest excuse. It's not going to get you where you need to be in life. We could have the greatest excuses, but we have to ask ourselves, are they excuses or maybe, maybe we could do more? Maybe with all these excuses, we could do more. So they went to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, Moshe Rabbeinu, we're Tameh. 
Not only are we tumbe, we were involved in the greatest mitzvah of burying a dead person who had no relatives. We had legitimate reason to be tumbe. We were obligated to be tumbe. But Lamanigara, why should we lose out from this mitzvah? Maybe there's something you could do for us. And when Moshe saw that, and when Hashem saw that, he said, okay, you have a second chance. And you're going to fulfill this mitzvah, Pesach Sheni, a month later. So one of the beautiful lessons of this mitzvah is that, yes, we can have all the excuses. We can have all the reasons why we've done enough, why we did enough, and why we're accomplishing enough. And as we tell our kids and we tell ourselves, all you got to do is the best you can. Just try your hardest. But the most important question we have to ask ourselves so often is, are we really giving Are we really giving it our best shot? Are we really giving us all? Could we do a little more? Even when we legitimately gave it us all. You know, there's a saying someone once told me, I once had a student that went through the military. He said, there's a saying in the special forces that when you say you've done, when one of these trainees, one of the soldiers going through these brutal trainings and special forces, when they're about to ring the bell and say, we're done, we're out. At that point, they're at 40% capacity. They're at 40%. So when we're about to give in, we're about to throw in the towel, when we're about to say we've done it all, at that moment, just tell yourself you're at 40% capacity because Hashem tells us we're capable of doing more. So yes, we could have all legitimate reasons. We could have all the legitimate, so to speak, excuses. And I'll, I'll finish with this. One of my most favorite Gemaras that Rabbi Akiva Tatz always quotes, and I think the Mikhtav Melio quotes it also very often. And with that, we'll be seated. The Gemara says that when one dies after 120 years, and he's going to come up with many excuses, he's going to say, I was too poor, I had no money to learn Torah. Who's going to come? Hillel is going to machayev aniyim. Hillel is going to come and say, I was the poorest person to ever live, and I learned Torah. A person was too busy in business. When wealthy, a wealthy rabbi is going to come, and the Gemara lists all the people that you're going to say you had the biggest excuses in the world, but this individual is going to come as, I was in the same position as you, and look what I've accomplished. And they explained that, not that the excuses aren't good excuses, but the excuses aren't going to get us where we need to be in life. Excuses could be excuses, but nobody ever became big with excuses. So we have to ask ourselves, could we do more? Could we do better? Is there a little bit more we can push ourselves? And the lesson here is that when Hashem sees us push ourselves, He gives us that extra chance and He allows us to go further. So with that, we should all be zocha to live this Pesach Sheni. It's not as long as the first Yom Tif. It's only one day. You, you, you're allowed to eat chametz. There's an Indian to eat matzah. You, the, to celebrate freedom and chayrus, which is the freedom to do, not just the freedom of doing, the freedom to become something. And we should all be zocha to really become the best, best version of ourselves. Okay, a good Shabbos, everybody. Uh, 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 uh,